Uh, last week, I stood before you and I started with a word that may resonate with some of you again this morning. Football is dumb. But not everybody, right? Some people are happy this morning. Uh, football is dumb. But the good news is, football is almost over and we're almost into the great sport of basketball. It's already started. Right? And, and I share this as a, you know me, I'm a, a loyal, devoted Ohio State Buckeye fan, and, and for us, uh, and really all of the sports world, there is no rivalry better than Ohio State and Michigan. The one that comes in second is the basketball rivalry between Duke and North Carolina, right? And so I want to share a story. Because um, Pastor Cassie was here last week, remember Pastor Cassie when she was with us, she she was uh, she she joined the church, she was here, and then she uh, went to seminary. And as part of her seminary training, she uh, came in and worked uh, here with us at Prince of Peace as Vicar Cassie. Um, and, and so that's part of the seminary experience. You go on an internship and you serve in a church and it's part of your schooling. Well, I, I did that as well. And I was the vicar. I was Vicar Scott at, Prince, or at, excuse me, at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Durham, North Carolina. Right? And, and it was also, I was, and it was awesome. I, I was, uh, part of my time was spent as the Lutheran campus ministry at Duke University. My office was in the basement of the Duke Chapel one of the most beautiful structures in our country. Um, and, and while I was there, right, in, in the midst of all of these things, the, the, the Duke-UNC rivalry was ever before us, and, and, and it was awesome. And, and because the, the universities are only about like eight or nine miles apart, something like that, they're, they're pretty close, you, you have diehard Duke fans and diehard Tar Heel fans all around each other, and, and including in the church, and there was a new columbarium at the church. A columbarium is, is a, a kind of a, a cemetery that was on the church grounds, but it wasn't for uh, caskets. It was for urns, right, when someone's cremated. And, and so there, there were two dear friends who also had a dear rivalry for each other that, luck would have it, their niches were right next to each other. And one was a Duke fan and one was a UNC fan, and they were always ribbing with each other about painting the inside of their tombs the appropriate color of blue for their team. Are you with me? Like, the, sports are great, aren't they? <laughs> so, th again, they were good friends, except for during basketball season and every other day of the year. But um, we, we went to a wedding, and, and the wedding was, um, it was a fun wedding, and, and it was at the top of the tallest tower in Durham, the restaurant up there, and it was one of the nicer places in all of the area, and, and it also happened to be a restaurant where Coach K, the Duke basketball coach, often visited, and, and he knew the bride because she was in advertising and had done some things, and so we went to the wedding reception, and we were having a great time, and I'm standing next to the diehard UNC fan, and all of a sudden, the music stops, and Coach K walks out with a microphone and gives a toast to the bride and the groom. My jaw was on the floor. It was awesome. If you don't know Coach K, if you don't know sports, if that's not your thing, like the, like the best coach in any sport ever, Coach K. And I was 10 feet away from him. And it was quiet. And you could hear a pin drop. 
And everybody was hanging on every one of his words. Even the Tar Heels standing right next to me. Coach K left, the party continued, and even the guy next to me said, wow, that was cool. Right? I assure you, if Jim Harbaugh showed up, I would not think it's cool. Anyway. <laughs> the, the point of the story is this, that, that when you draw near to someone or something, it has an impact on you, right? Right? Have you had those moments? Maybe it was uh, celebrity royalty. Maybe it was, was, was a moment or a, a thing that was larger than life. And in that moment, everything stopped. And it had an impact on you, a lasting impact on you. I, I couldn't tell you what Coach K said. But I can go to that moment and remember being in awe. It was powerful. This is what we hear. Far more so. Towards the end of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. Who all along has been a mouthpiece for God. Lifting up and, and calling back and calling to repentance and doing all kinds of things and, and laying forth all that God was going to do and, and laying into why he was going to do it because of our iniquity, because of our sinfulness, because of our brokenness, because of all the things that we have failed, God is going to do this. And, and here at the end of his book, he's pleading. He's pleading for God to draw near. Come close. Rend open your heavens and come down, O Lord. And as you do, the earth will quake. Your presence will cause water to boil because there's an impact when we draw close to God and more to the point when God draws near to you. This is what Advent is all about. This beginning of a new year, a new celebration, and, and getting ready for the coming of the King. It's a coming of the King with, with Mary and Joseph as a babe, but we, we on Advent are, are looking forward to the return of the King when everyone feels his presence. And the earth is shaped and molded and transformed because he draws near to you. This, man, this is what Advent's about. What does it mean that God draws near? God draws near, right? I mean, that, that's one of the pivotal components of our faith in Jesus. It's how he's different than all the other world religions, all the other world philosophies. We have one who comes near to you. He draws near. He comes down. 
to be with you. It's powerful. It's impactful. It's important. And one of the images that we have at the end of today's lesson is, is that of a potter at a potting wheel. I love this image. I am really not good at art. <laughs> I'm awful. I'm awful. But what I know about it is, man, if you got a, a hunk of clay and you put it on a, a potter's wheel, you got to spin it, right? You, that, that makes sense. But one of the most important parts of, of using a potter's wheel and, and shaping clay is you got to keep the clay wet. Shaping and molding dry clay doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You got to keep it wet. So you're constantly dipping your hand in the water and, and making it wet. You, you, you got to keep the, the clay pliable and malleable and shapeable and formable, right? And so my question for you is, what keeps you wet? What prevents you from drying out? And we know dried out people, don't we? Man, I get stuck in my ways. How do you, how do you keep from drying out? I think that's one of the questions of, of spiritual practices. I think that's one of the realities of, of walking in faith and growing as disciples of Jesus, is it's constantly figuring out and, and, and being shaped and formed to, to not dry out. Because when you dry out, you become hard, you become brittle. I don't know about you, but when, when I'm in the hands of the Lord, I want to be... I want to be shapeable. I want him to be able to make me into my best self. To make me smooth. To get rid of my rough edges. To make me useful. Purposeful. What keeps you from drying out? I, th I think that's one of the most important questions we can ask in our spiritual faith formation. Why am I dry? And how can I get the goodness of God to water my soul so I can be usable in His hand? Man, the world is really good at drying us out, isn't it? Everywhere I turn, I see things that make me jaded, short, angry, frustrated, inhospitable, uncompassionate, right? Hard. But by the grace of God, Stay pliable in the hands of the Lord. Scripturally, from, from Isaiah, I, I think that 
most important thing of all of this is hinted at in, in the first sentence. As Isaiah pleads, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Rend, that's probably not a word you use all that often in your daily vocabulary. It means to tear open. Lord, Lord, we pray that you would tear open the heavens and you would come down. Very strange, very violent language. But what we know about the prophet Isaiah is one of the things is he was talking about the day, but he was also looking ahead to what was coming. And what was coming and who was coming was just like for us today, the one who's coming is Jesus. And this language of rending open the heavens is vitally important in Scripture, in the life of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, it tells the story of Jesus being baptized. It says that as he's coming up out of the water, the heavens were rent open. They were torn open, just like Isaiah prophesied. And as the heavens were torn open, the Spirit descended down like a dove. You see, that's what we celebrate. That's why we're here that we would draw near because God draws near to us. And that's not just some sentiment. That's not just some nice thought. That's reality. That's who Jesus is. That's what he did. He draws near to you. Emmanuel, God with us, isn't a fancy name. It's a defining characteristic of your God. He is with you. He tore open the heavens to come to you. It's the same word later on in the story of Jesus. With that big thick curtain that that divided the holy of holies, the sacred space, God's throne room, his footstool. The thick curtain that, that divided that area from the rest of the temple. As Jesus died, it says that it was rent It was torn open so that you would have access to be with God through Jesus. The heavens were torn open. The curtain was torn open. And in a very real sense, the tomb is torn open. This is who God is. This is what it means that he draws near to you. He draws near. Think about it. Religious practices couldn't stop God from coming to you. Sacred holy things and our brokenness couldn't stop God from coming to you. Death itself can't stop God from coming to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? How do you stay wet and not dry out? So the potter can shape you? Well, I I think part of it might have to do 
with that word rending, tearing open. Because for us, as followers of Jesus, it starts here at the font. When, when we live into and walk in the same steps of Jesus, as water is poured over you, as the Christ's name of God is proclaimed over you, the Spirit tears open and comes to you in a real way. Remember your baptism. There's a reason that we're called to keep getting wet. Walk wet. It's how you keep from drying out. And then today, the final piece I think that's pretty significant, I'm going to take the one that's under here for when we have some others, but you know what this is. This is, well, right now it's bread. Here in a little bit, it'll be more than bread, a whole lot more than bread. And each week or each time we have communion, you see as I tear it open, as I rend it, the body of Christ given for you. The tearing of his body so yours can be put together again. This, this is how Jesus comes to you. Not, not just in some sentimentality of faith, not in some emotional response. He comes to you. He's placed in your hand as bread, as wine, as his body and his blood. This is how Jesus comes to you. All the other reasons are great. All the other ways are great. This one reminds us that it's all about him. Emmanuel. God with us. Broken for you given to you. Emmanuel. This is why we have hope. So let's live it as we walk in him. In the name of Christ.